Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. All right, you guys, we're a message note-taking church. Get ready to pull out your message notes by going to olc.church. Get ready to follow along. Ah, You know the drill. I'm not here just to inspire you on a Sunday. I'm here to encourage you, but also to give you some practical tools in your hands Monday through Saturday. And these online notes give me the opportunity to put God's word in your hand. The cool thing is you can save this as a PDF. You can email it to a family member or a friend. And I just wanna encourage you to follow along today, especially today, because hey guys, if you haven't forgotten, today is Father's Day, and I've got a message just for you dads, and honestly, it's just a, it's for everybody that's in this room. And so when I began to think about Father's Day, um, honestly, I will never forget, you guys, 14 years ago, just a little over 14 years ago, uh, getting the call. Anybody you know else know what the call is? It's where you're at work, and your honey calls you, you're like, hey, babe, what's going on? I'm at work. Yeah, yeah, are you sitting down? I'm like, well, um, no, I'm not, but how, what, what's going on? Hey, I need you to just step out and sit down for a second. I'm like, okay, uh, everything okay? Yeah, everything's great. I'm like, okay, what's going on? We're pregnant. I'm like, woo! I'm like, I'm excited. I'm freaking out. I'm scared. I'm like, all the emotions in one, right? Anybody else got that, ever get that call as a dad? Some of you may have got it like in person, right? I got it from the call, <laughs> And uh, I was so excited yet terrified and I didn't necessarily know just being 100% transparent, vulnerable, I didn't necessarily know how to respond, you know, because can I just be honest with you, in my mind, the season of life that I was in at that time in my life, it wasn't the ideal time to get pregnant and to come up with that kind of news. Because my wife and I, we had just been married a little bit over a year. And at that point, um, a current job that I'd been working uh, filed bankruptcy. They couldn't pay us anymore as employees. I was on unemployment. And uh, (laughs) yeah. And I'm like, at the point was I was actually coming off unemployment at a new job. And I was over $200,000 in debt. And uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my. Right. And I'm thinking, dear Lord. Thank you for blessing me, but what in the world is going on right now? Because I'm going to be honest with you, it wasn't necessarily what I thought I needed, but God knew knew more than me. God gave me exactly what I needed in the season that I needed it, although I didn't quite understand why. And I'm just here today to tell you that I stand on this platform today blessed and honored by God to be a father of one. His name is Max. He's serving your kids right now in kids' life. He is 13 years old. He loves God. He loves his family. He loves you. And uh, it is the joy of my life. I have people all the time say, Rhett, why did you guys stop at one? And I kind of tell them, I'm like, hey, here's, here's the reality. When you hit perfection, you just stop. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I, I kid. My son is by far not perfect at all. Um, he is just like any other kid. But, you know, the reality is my wife and I, we had, um, you know, infertility, uh, you know, a journey. After we had Max, we tried to have more kids. But That just wasn't in the sovereign plan of God for our life. So, but I stand to you today as no expert is what I'm trying to say. You know, I'm just a dad trying to figure this thing out Been going on it for 13 years. Um, And so I'm here today really honestly to tell you that if there's anything that I've been learning as a dad, you ready for this or as a parent, 
is that uh, parenting takes, it, it's a four-letter word, everybody. You ready for it? It's work. <laughs> it's W-O-R-K, work. It just is. And this idea of becoming great parents or even having great kids, um, it doesn't happen by accident. It actually happens with a lot of intentionality. In fact, let me show this to you in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3. Look at this. It says, guys, it takes wisdom to have a good family. And it takes, notice this, understanding to make it strong. And so my hope today is to give you a little bit of wisdom in the most practical way from God's word. And my hope is today that maybe you just walk out of this room with a little bit more understanding of how to make your family strong. So how do we do it? Well, let me give you really the thing verse of today. Jesus said this when it comes to family. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 25. It says, therefore, by the way, if you ever see the word therefore, you need to look and see what is it therefore, Okay. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into, everybody say this word out loud, puts them into what? Into practice is like a wise man, or you can insert wise woman there. Now, time out for a second. What is it saying? It's saying anyone who hears these words, in other words, those who come to church on Father's Day, yeah, I'm winning, baby. I'm hearing the word of God today. But not only those who just come to church on Father's Day and go to church regularly, but those who actually put them into practice. In other words, those who begin to apply it to their everyday life. Look at what it says. You're like a wise man who did what? Who worked really, 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 really hard with some intentionality. Look, who built his house, his family on solid ground on the rock. And so why is this important? Look at the rest of the verse. It's important because when the rain comes down and the streams rise up in your life and the wind blows and beats against your house and your family, in other words, when all hell breaks loose against your family, your finances, your health, your emotions, and all that is your life, look at the promise, yet you will not fall. Why? Because your foundation as a man of God and as a woman of God who is trying to raise their family on Christ Jesus, my friends, you will not fail. Why? Because your life is built on solid ground. It's built on the foundation on the rock. And so today I've entitled this message, solid ground, solid ground. And it is my hope today to help every father. In fact, no matter what season of life you're in, whether you're a father, a mother, an aunt, an uncle, a niece, a nephew, a grandma, or a grandpa, listen, this message can apply to you. Maybe you're single here today and you're hoping that just maybe one day you'll have a family. Take a lot of notes because I'm telling you today what I'm trying to do is just in the most practical way. This is going to be a very practical message today. But what I'm trying to give you today in the most practical way is to help you continue to build a foundation and to build your life upon Christ on solid ground. Why? Because I don't want your family to fail. I don't want your family to fall. Why? Because when all hell breaks loose against your family, and it will, I want you still standing. This is why this message is so important. And so really today, if I'm just getting really practical, this message is really all about biblical parenting. It's about biblical parenting. And again, I just want to let you be honest. I am no expert. I am learning along with you. But what I'm going to teach you today are some principles that we've applied in our life and that seem to be working throughout the seasons of life that we've had with our son, Max. And we did not come up with these. These are things that other pastors and people who are a whole lot smarter than me uh, gave me and taught me. And I am just giving them to you today. And so what I want to do today is I really want to kind of set the stage. And I want to talk about three different styles of parenting because there's 
there's a lot of different styles of parenting, but let's be honest, there are about three that I'm gonna identify right now that most of us grew up with. And if you're taking notes, the first one is, it's this authoritarian type of parenting. It's authoritarian type of parenting. In other words, it's my way or the highway. It's like, hey boy, I created you, I can take you out and create another one just like you. Anybody ever grow up in that house? <laughs> it's like, I brought you in in this world, but buddy, I can take you out. This is authoritarian type of parenting. In other words, what is the goal of this type of uh, parenting? The goal is simply obedience. In other words, we define success with this type of parenting as, hey, my kid, look at him. He's lined up. He's got good behavior. And many of us grew up with this type of parenting. You can relate to that. Here's a second style that kind of came along in the 1960s when this whole idea of moral goodness theory was coming about. And that is permissive. Permissive. What is permissive? Permissive parenting is, is the goal that, man, I just want my kids to like me. I want to be their friend. So what do we do? We create environments of so much love and so much affirmation and no rules and no correction. And we've bought into this lie that oh, our kids are just by nature so good. And if I just love them enough and let them do whatever they want, they'll just eventually do right. And I'm just saying, man, if you're a parent and you've, you've experienced this, I'm just saying it might be cute when they're two or three, but when they're 13, 14, 15, not so cute anymore. Not so cute. And the way this plays out is maybe you've experienced this or maybe I'm just the only one on this island today, but you invite that family over to your house and all of a sudden their kids, it's like, you know, the spawn of Satan. It's like, oh my dear God, when is this meeting over? Oh baby, it just got started. I'm like, we got an hour and like every minute is dragging on because the kids are destroying your house. Like you hear the cat, in the background, and furs flying up from the dog, dog's missing his tail, right? Kids are jumping all over your couch. You're like, hey, you're like, and they're so disrespectful. And the parents sit back and go, oh, I mean, aren't they just so cute? Oh my goodness, they're so cute. Oh, little Johnny, he just did not have his nap today. You know, oh. And so what do we do? These type of parents, they make excuses. They make excuses. My kids are tired. Oh, he's just so cute. I'm like, buddy, it ain't so cute. Can you leave my house now? please. I'll be sending you a bill in the mail later for whatever you've destroyed. No, no. So the goal of this permissive is that we just tolerate the behavior. It's like, we don't care. We just think that at some point they're going to get it with enough love because we just want to be the friend. But today I want to submit to you, my friends, this third way of parenting, which honestly is the better way of living. And it is the better way of parenting. And it's the best way to be a great dad to your kids. And that is the biblical style of parenting. I'm calling it solid ground parenting today. Solid ground parenting doesn't focus on behavior modification. Solid ground parenting focuses on heart transformation. See, this authoritarian and permissive style of parenting or raising your kids is all about behavior modification. And the truth is, if you think about it, you know, if you lead this kind of way, you'll get good behavior for a little while, for a season. But I just want to encourage you and just warn you today don't be surprised if you're living this authoritarian or permissive style of parenting. Don't be surprised that when your kids grow up and they go off to college, that they don't get involved in the other 90% of the college students in the world today who are struggling with alcohol and substance abuse and pills and, and, and having premarital sex. Why? 
How could you say that, Rhett? Because here's the thing. When you're training your kids for behavior modification, what you're really saying is, hey, I want you to do what I want you to do even though you don't wanna do it. That's behavior modification. Your kids will play along with that for a little while. But I'm here today to submit to you that if you don't focus on behavior modification, but you actually focus on heart transformation, which by the way, can only happen in a relationship with God, the byproduct, you ready for this? is that your kids' desires will change. Why? Because a miracle happens in their life. In other words, now it's like they don't wanna do it, not because you told them to. No, they don't wanna do it because they have no desire to wanna live that type of life. And so my hope today as parents, or my hope today, whatever season of life you're in, is that you're thinking, man, I just want my kids to have a heart transformation. In fact, I don't want just my kids to have a heart transformation. I myself want to experience it as well. And so if that's you today, I've got some good news today. I'm going to give you one truth that is just some, with several different ways you can apply this in your life to have some solid ground parenting. And I'm going to bring this to you out of Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Now, before I read it, I just want to tell you that this one verse is where we get the entire outline of our message today. In fact, when you read the entire Bible, you don't get a lot about Jesus's childhood, adolescence, teenage years, and young adult years. You don't get any of it. It's kind of silent, but we get this one verse that gives us this 18-year period from when Jesus was 12 to 30 years old. And I think there's a lot that we can learn when we study it. And this is what I want to share with you today. Look at this, Luke 2, 52. It says, in Jesus grew. How did he grow? Four ways. And by the way, if you've ever wondered what our approach to helping your kids from kids to preschool to, you know, nursery to young adults to students, this, these are the four things that we're living to implement alongside you. And that is, look, Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God, in favor with men. And so today what I'm going to do is I'm going to take each four of those and like wisdom, stature, favor with men, favor with God. And I'm going to give you ways to apply that. So let's look at how Jesus grew. Jesus grew in wisdom. Number one, wisdom. Write that down. Well, it may already be in your notes, but wisdom. What am I talking about? And by the way, wisdom does not refer to knowledge. Now, knowledge is great, but it's not talking about book smart. It's not talking about intellectual type knowledge. No, listen, knowledge is knowing. Wisdom is actually doing. In other words, knowledge is knowing I should serve God. But wisdom is actually walking with God. See, knowledge is saying, hey, I know I should do this, but wisdom is like, I'm actually going to do what I know. And so when it comes to biblical parenting, our job as dads, as fathers today, and as family, our job is to teach them wisdom. And that is, how does it look like? Here's, I'm going to give you three things under this point. Number one is to teach them to fear God. Guys, our responsibility is to teach them to fear God. And some of you are thinking, like, you mean like to be afraid of God? No, that's not what it's saying. No, the word fear here actually means to have this holy, reverent, awe, and just respect of who our God is. So Pastor Rhett, what in the world does having the fear of God and this reverent and all, like what does that have to do with wisdom? Well, let's see what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter nine, verse 10. It says that the fear of the Lord, check this out, this holy awe, this respect and reverence and just this awe of God is the beginning of, everybody say that word out loud, it's the beginning of, it's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is 
It's understanding. It's understanding. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd like to have some wisdom for myself, not only just for my kids, because that's important, but I want to experience some wisdom myself. Why? Because we read it early in Proverbs 24, 3, that it takes wisdom to have what? To have a good family. In other words, it takes wisdom to be a good father. It takes wisdom to be a good husband. It takes wisdom to be a good parent. Why? Because you cannot give what you have not received. You cannot teach what you have not experienced. And so what I want to do today is I want to encourage us to live our lives experiencing the wisdom of God. How? By having this awe and reverence and just, my God, you are so amazing. You are so holy. You are so awesome. Reverent fear of God. Why? So then we can be like David. Who is David? He was a man after God's own heart, known as one of the greatest kings who ever lived. This is what he said, Psalm 34, 11. He said, hey, come. Hey, kids, come here. Listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. In other words, I'll teach you what it looks like. And so here's the question today. What does it look like to teach the fear of the Lord? Well, let me start by telling you what it doesn't look like, and that is, my friends, if the only time that your kids hear the name Jesus Christ in God is when you're swearing at traffic, your spouse, or the referees on TV. Like if that's the only time they're hearing God and Jesus Christ in your home, they're not going to fear God. No, they're going to fear you. They're going to fear you. My friends, home should be a safe place for with full of love and full of life. Home should be a place where as men of God, we rise up and we teach our kids the holy respect of his name. You know, my son, God is holy. God is good. God is kind. You know, God is faithful. I know mom and dad are going through a tough time right now with some things that you don't necessarily understand, but I just want you to know that God's character and nature is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And although it's tough right now, I want you to know that oh, we can't see what's ahead of us. I know by the promise of God and his word that God is going to be faithful to see me through this because he is our provider. Listen, my job, I know I just lost my job, but I don't want you to stress out. God's going to provide you food. Listen, I'm not your provider. My job's not your provider. God is. I don't know how it's going to work out, but God just simply tells us to trust him, to lean on him, to not try to figure it out, but it just in everything that we do as a family, we're going to acknowledge him. It doesn't mean it's not going to be tough, but the joy that we experience, my son, my daughter, isn't circumstantial. No, it's internal. And I want you to have this reverence. I want you to know this about our God. What are you doing when you lead this way? My friends, this is the beginning of wisdom. You're teaching your kids the fear of God. And listen, I began to recognize this in my son. (laughs) He was first grade. Um, He came home. It was our first attempt of public school because we had my wife, I say we, my wife homeschooled through kindergarten and her claim to fame is I taught my son how to read and she did and do math and other things. She's amazing, by the way. So he comes home from school in first grade from public school. It was about his first or second day and he had met some friends and, and he said, daddy, and not necessarily in all these words, but I remember it this way. He basically, daddy, it bothers me when my friends at school say the S word. I'm like, oh my God, here we go, right? The S word. I'm like, well, son, what, is, what, what are we talking about? What, what, can you say the word? I don't really want to say the word. I'm like, okay, well, just okay. Just tell me what the word is. I don't like it when they call my friends stupid. I was like, oh. <laughs> Thank God I don't have to have that discussion from first grade. 
yet. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then, of course, you know, sigh of relief. And I'm like, well, why does it bother you um, when your other friends call your friends stupid? And this is kind of his response. He basically said, well, because God created my friends and they're not stupid. They're special. So in other words, what's happening on a first grade level is that he's basically saying that, hey, I'm recognizing that, that it dishonors God when we dishonor people. My friends, that is the beginning of wisdom in teaching our kids what it looks like to have this holy reverence and fear of who our God is. Secondly, not only do we need to teach them to have this holy reverent awe and fear of God, we need to teach them very practical. You probably knew this was coming. We need to teach them to love God's word. Why? Because I love this verse. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. For the word of God is alive. The word of God is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joints and marrow. It alone exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. What is it saying? My friends, it's saying that the only thing that will transform your heart, the only thing that will transform your child's heart is the transformation power of God's word in their life. This is where heart transformation takes place. And that's why God tells us, hey, Deuteronomy chapter 6, 6 through 7. Hey, fathers, these commandments I give you today are to be upon your, notice the word, upon your hearts. They want you to love God's word, impress God's word on your children. It goes on to say, hey, talk about it when you sit at home over breakfast, lunch, dinner, on the way to work, on the way home, picking them up from school, on the soccer practice, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up, make God's word a part of your everyday life, your everyday life. So one thing that we did, I'm just trying to give you some practical things, not saying you have to do this, but um, when my son was a baby, somebody blessed us at a child dedication with, I believe it was called the, uh, yeah, this is basically a picture book Bible, you know, it's all the pictures, right? And uh, we read through the picture book Bible every night. So before we'd go to bed, you know, I'd read it. And of course, when he's a baby, he's blah, 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 spit, spit everywhere. You know, he's not paying attention. But as he gets older, you know, first grade, these kind of things were, we're really journeying through kind of this picture book Bible. And, uh, and so like Adam and Eve, right? Uh, they're fully, you know, clothed behind a bush, right? Because it's a picture book Bible. Come on, anybody else going with me this morning, right? And it's for kids. And so we read that every night and then we would pray every night and just thank God. And then from that point, we'd grow into more of not really in a super advanced Bible, but we'd go to one that has words and it maybe had like two page, you know, two words on a page, you know, like God created and then there's the heavens and the earth and that kind of thing. And every night, every night, I would just go through this book one story at a time. And then we'd grow up more into what there's a really cool Bible called the story, uh, the storybook Bible of Jesus. And it, it's a little bit more intense. There's a little bit more words and it kind of paints a better picture. And now, you know, he's a teenager. Dear God, help me, right? I'm still trying to figure this out. But as a teenager, we're reading through like the, a Marvel type comic book edition, like the guy who actually created it and all the artwork, like used to do Marvel and like DC comic books and stuff. So it's like this action Bible comic book style. And it's so cool. Why am I telling you this? Because we basically, I just wanted my son to love God's word. And if, and, and he wasn't gonna get God's word if I didn't take the responsibility to teach it to him is what I'm trying to say. And so we would just read and read and he'd ask questions and we'd have a good time. And so why do I do this? Because at the end of the day, I want my son to know God. I want my son to have a relationship with God. I want his heart 
to be transformed. I want his thoughts. I want his desires to do what? To line up according to God's word. I want to help him be successful. I want to remind him who his God is and who he is in and through Christ. This is my responsibility. And I'm just saying, guys, if you want your house, your family, your kids' life to be built on a solid foundation that will never fail, it's time that we rise up, man up, and it's take the responsibility that God has given us to teach them to love God's word. Can I get a better amen, somebody? Not only is it our responsibility to teach them wisdom through the fear of God and through teaching them how to love God's word, but We have another part to play, and that is, guys, this is so important. I don't want you to miss this, is that, guys, we have got to guard their minds. Like, we've got to come to a place where we help protect their thoughts. As I don't know if you know this or not, but every year, TV alone, just TV, not social media, not YouTube, but just TV alone, the average child is going to grow up seeing over 8,000 acts of violence By the time they're 18 years old, they will have seen over 100,000 sexual encounters. 90% of those are outside of marriage. Again, staggering statistics. And it doesn't even include social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and all the other garbage that's out there. So here's the question. My friends, what in the world are we allowing on our homes, in our homes, on our screens, on our devices? How are we guarding our minds? But how are we also protecting their minds? David said this in Psalm 101:3. God, I will set before my eyes no vile, vulgar thing. Guys, I'm telling you, if you want to grow in wisdom as a dad, if you want to grow in wisdom or have your kids grow in wisdom, my friends, it is time for us to take the responsibility to guard their hearts from the garbage that is in this world. It is so important. In fact, it's so important. God said this in Proverbs 4.23, above all, time out. Last time I checked in the Greek, you know what all means in the Hebrew? In the all, all means all, like above everything. Like don't miss this. If this is the only point you take home today, above all else, do what? Guard your heart. Guard your kid's heart. Why? Because everything you do, everything you do flows from it. What's it saying? It's saying, hey guys, what goes in comes out. And if you don't like what's coming into your family or if you don't like what's coming out of your family, then you need to check what's coming in to your family. And I'm just saying, hey, guys, if you want to build your house upon solid ground, if you want to have a family who will remain standing and not fall and have kids who will never fail, not, not, that doesn't mean that they won't make mistakes, but who overall in life will never fail because their life was built on a solid foundation, then it is our responsibility to teach them the wisdom of fearing God, teaching the wisdom of loving God's word, but even more importantly, teaching them the wisdom. We've got to help them protect their minds. Are y'all getting anything out of this this morning? Is this helping anybody? I told you this message is extremely practical. If you want to build your house on solid ground, it begins with teaching them wisdom, but not only that, Jesus also grew not only in wisdom, he grew in what? He grew in stature. That's your second one. If we want to have solid ground parenting, if we want to raise our kids on a biblical foundation, then 
We've got to teach our kids how to have stature. And by the way, stature means more than like, uh, you know, being healthy physically and dieting and exercise. Now that's important. Don't get me wrong. That is absolutely important. But stature, what it truly means is purpose. And so Jesus, he knew his purpose and Jesus grew in his purpose. And it's our, and it, and it really is important. It's so important that Paul said this in Ephesians chapter one, verse 17 through 18. He said, hey guys, I'm asking the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory to make you intelligent and discerning. In other words, hey guys, I just need you to see this. See what? I need you to know him personally. In other words, everything starts with a relationship with God. We'll talk more about that at the end of service. But once you're into a relationship with God, I need your eyes focused and clear. Why? Look at the rest of the verse. So that you can see exactly, see what? Your purpose. To see what he's calling you to do. He needs you to discover your purpose, to grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life that he has for his followers. In other words, he's saying, once you discover purpose, then your life will make sense. It will be a glorious way of life. It will be a fulfilled way of life. And I'm just here to make this statement today. My friends, every one of your kids has the call of God on their life to do something significant. I'm going to say that again. Every one of your kids has the call of God on their life to do something significant. Even maybe when they're acting a fool right now. I'm telling you, God has a plan and a purpose for their life, and it is to do something significant. And so one of the greatest gifts, my friends, that you can give your kids, moms, dads, is this, is to help them discover their purpose. It's to help them to discover their purpose. Why? Because when they discover their purpose, they're going to find fulfillment. Why? Because when they understand their design, it's going to reveal the destiny that God has for them. Listen, my friends, discovering their purpose will be the second greatest day of their life. First day is when they're born. Second day is when they actually know, I know why I'm on this planet. Listen, this kind of fulfillment will far exceed any of the false substitutions that the world will try to sell them through alcohol, drugs, substance abuse, and sex. I'm telling you, when they become to discover their purpose and know why they're on this planet, it changes everything. But here's the problem. Here's the challenge. Our kids will never truly discover their purpose until you and I, my friends, discover our purpose and role as a husband or a mother or a father, whatever that might be. We have to discover our purpose. That's why the greatest gift that I can give you as a pastor today, you ready for this, is to help you discover your purpose. Is to help you discover your purpose. How do we do that? Oh, look at this. We have a class that happens every four Sundays. And we're doing our first one on June 27th at 4 p.m. Well, Pastor Red, I thought that was just a membership class. No, it's more than that. That is a part of it. Like, if you want to know what, more about who we are as a church and what it looks like to be a part of this congregation and how we're here to serve you, your family, and this community, this is a place to come. But more than that, we're also going to help you on a journey of taking a simple next step. It's not weird. It's just simply a multiple choice. And we're going to walk you through what it looks like to discover your spiritual gifts by answering some questions that we'll ask you. We're going to help you discover more of your personality and how God designed you. Why is that important? Again, I'm going to say it again. Because your design reveals your destiny. And when you begin to discover your purpose as a dad, then you, my friend, can then begin to help your kids discover theirs. And so one of the greatest things that I can do for my son, and this is just practical, to help him discover his purpose is to speak life over him. So every day I do this. You can ask him. I'm not making this up. Every day, every morning, I'm like, good morning, man of God. 
What am I doing? I'm reminding of him, him of who he is. I'm saying, God's got a plan for your life, buddy. Like the power of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives within you. And he's given you wisdom and understanding. Like you have the knowledge of God through Christ and the spirit that lives within you, growing inside of you. You're a world changer. You're gonna make a difference. Well, how am I gonna do that, Dad? I don't know. We don't have to have it figured out. But I know this. You're an influencer. You're not just a follower. You're gonna change the world one life at a time because you are special. How do we help them discover their purpose? My friends, we speak life. Proverbs 18, 21, not on the screen or not on the notes. We, the, the power of the tongue can either speak life or death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. And I'm saying I want my son to eat the fruit of life and I want him to grow up understanding who he is in God, who he is in Christ, so that that way he is an influencer into this world as opposed to the world influencing him. So I'm just trying to give you some practical things today. Is this helping anybody today? I hope it is. So when it comes to biblical parenting, again, very practical, we've got to help them grow in wisdom. We've got to help them discover their purpose and stature. Number three, now we've got to help them find favor with man. Favor with man. Let me give you this one simple principle that I'd love for every single one of us to encourage you to try, and that is Philippians 2, 3. Guys, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Like, stop thinking about yourself so much. Look at this. He says, but in humility, I want you to consider others better than yourselves. What's he saying? He said, hey, guys, I just want you to live an others life. And I'm just saying, hey, my friends, watch how far your kids will go when they begin to add value to other people instead of just wanting to suck in all the value of their self. I'm telling you, it'll change their life and it'll change their world. If you'll teach them how to add value to people in their life, it'll change their life. Well, here's the question. How do I help them add value to people? How can I do that practically? Well, there's a lot of different ways, but I couldn't, there's two I want to give you. The first one is honesty. Honesty. Everybody write that down. Honesty. In other words, I just want to teach them to tell the truth. Think about this for a second. What is every employer looking for right now? They're looking for people who are honest. They're looking for people who have integrity. They're looking for people who, when they say they're going to show up on time, they show up on time. What does the truth give you? The truth earns you trust. And once you earn trust, what does that earn? It earns you favor. It earns you promotion. It earns you open doors. Trust comes from truth. So it's important that we begin to teach our kids how to tell the truth. And so in our family, just giving you, you know, that's all I got. I can only give you examples from my family. Well, we decided we didn't want any rules in our house. No, we don't want rules. We want relationship. So we began to think, what breeds relationship? Well, we kept coming back to truth, like honesty. And so the only rule in our house, if you're a Barden member, is we just want you to tell the truth the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Why? Because when my son tells me the truth, you know what it says? We have relationship. He trusts me. I've never expected my son to be perfect at all. He's going to make mistakes. I'm not even telling that, but you're going to make mistakes. But this is the one thing I said, but when you make a mistake and you know it, I just need you to be honest. And this was hard growing up, uh, you know, for him at first because, you know, He's a pastor's kid. He's supposed to have it all together, right? So a lot of prep. Can I just encourage you all? Please take the pressure off my son. He's not perfect. I'm not up here telling you these stories to project that our family is perfect because we've got our own issues. But I am telling you one thing that he's learned to value 
is that he can be honest with us. And so if he breaks something, like we know he broke it because mama didn't do it, I didn't do it, the dog didn't do it. Who else are we gonna turn to? He's an only child, everybody. <laughs> I didn't do it, dad. I'm like, really? Uh-uh, I didn't do it. I was so funny, it's not my notes, but uh, we were thinking about this one story. Uh, he was probably, I don't know, four or five years old. We walked into a room and there was all these crayon marks all over the wall, like markers. I'm like, oh dear God, we just painted and what in the world? And I was like, and Linda did a great job. She's like, Max, um, who did all this? I don't know, mama. I don't know. I'm like, well, Max is down this low, and you're the only one with markers and everything on your face. I don't know who did it, mama. Kids were not, by nature, they're not good, okay, everybody? We've got to coach them. We've got to train them. They're going to lie to you. So that's how it started, right? But then over time, I'll never forget, my son came to me one time, and he told me something. I was like, whoa. Kind of, kind of hate that we made this rule now. <laughs> He's being so honest with me. And I'm like, hey, buddy, thank you for being honest with me. You're not in trouble. In fact, you've never needed me more than you've needed me now. And thank you for coming to me. I love you. We're going to get you through this on some difficult things. And by the way, <laughs> this whole idea of telling the truth, you can't miss this. It goes both ways. In other words, if you want your kids to be honest with you, then Hey, dads, you've got to be honest with your kids. And I don't know about this. I don't know if, if you knew this or not, but as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor, as a leader, this may shock you. Um, I'm not perfect. <laughs> like, I don't know everything. Not that any of you would think that I did know everything, but I just don't. And so isn't it amazing how our kids will ask us questions that we're just supposed to know the answer to? It's like, oh my God, I, like the deep questions of life. And I'm just saying, hey, dads, stop pretending Stop faking it. Like, you don't have to have it all figured out. Just go tell them to ask mom. You know what I'm saying? The mom's got it all figured out. <laughs> She's the one that's got it. Yeah, got an amen, right? It's like, hey, I don't know, man. That's a great question. Go ask mama, please, right? And so, no, but I basically said, man, that is a great question about God or about life or, you know, whatever it is. I don't know the answer to that. And uh, I'll tell you what, it earns respect with your kids. A lot of respect and a lot of honor. There is beauty and honesty and truth. I'm telling you, if you want your kids and you want your home to grow up on a strong, solid foundation, it's time for us to live honesty, but also to teach our kids how to be honest. So to win favor with man. Here's a second one when it comes to winning favor with man, and that is honor. Honor. Honor seems to be a uh, value that seems to be leaving our country and nation rather quickly. And I'm not here to talk about that today, but I am here to say as men of God, those who are called to build our families on a foundation of solid ground that when, when all hell breaks loose against our family, our finances, and everything in our life, when we're going to still be standing, we've got to still be standing on truth and honor and then respect, which is the second one. What does honor and respect do? Think about that for a second. Honor and respect, it adds value to people. It says, hey, you are important. Like, and we've got to teach our kids this. And so listen, I'm from the South. Many of you know that. And uh, I'm kind of losing my accent. I had a guy the other day say, hey, Rhett, can you go back to the South and bring your accent back? Right? But I'm from the South. And if any of you know, maybe you've heard my son, we teach him, I say, yes, sir. And yes, ma'am. And I know in some cultures and some places that may be disrespectful, but not in our home. And although we maybe live on the other side of the country, that is a value that will not change. Look into our military. What do they say? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. It's honor. It's respect. And I teach my son 
hey, listen, no, that's, that's Mr. Larry. If he asks you to do something, just say, yes, sir. That's Miss Deborah, Mrs. Deborah. If she asks you to do something, just say, yes, ma'am. It's respect. We need to get some of these values into our home. Now, you don't have to do that for your kids, but I'm doing that for mine. Why? Because I want him to understand that there is respect. You not always have to agree or disagree with somebody. Like, you don't have to do that. You can do it in a respectful way. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. No, ma'am. And so for us, another way is that is just, hey, hey, can we teach our sons, hey, dads, can we teach our sons how to open the door for ladies? Amen? Some of your guys are like, dear God, why did I come to church today? Listen, if you want to be a man of God, if you want to be a great dad, if you want to build your house on solid ground, we have got to get back to showing some respect. Now, can ladies open their own door? Yes, of course. But what does it teach your kids when you, dad, do everything you can to pause your life, to walk around another 10 seconds around the car, open the door for your beautiful bride, make sure she comes in, protect her as she comes in, gently close the door and walk around. What does it do? It adds value to who? To mama. It adds value to ladies. It adds value and respect. And so when we go into a restaurant, maybe I'm always like, hey, I want you to get that door for mama, right? Hey, I want you to open that door for that elderly couple. In fact, we were sitting in a restaurant the other day, and uh, we were not in the booth yet, but we were kind of sitting in the waiting area, and there was an elderly couple that came in, and my son was sitting down, and I said, hey, buddy, let's stand up. This elderly couple, they need to sit down. What are we doing? What am I doing? I'm teaching him how to show honor and how to show respect. It's a value that we need to teach our kids. And so I'm saying it's important. If we ever want our house to be built on a solid ground, these are the steps. These are the things we need to do. We have got to take responsibility. The world's not going to teach them this, fellas. It's our responsibility to teach them honor and respect. Here's the last one. Jesus grew in wisdom. Jesus grew in stature. Jesus grew in favor with man. And then Jesus grew in what? He grew in favor with God. Favor with God. Many people put the responsibility of our kids falling into favor with God on the church. Now, don't get me wrong. We have a part to play in all this. But you have a responsibility too. You have a role to play as a dad, as a father, as a parent, a role model in kids' life for them to find favor with God. Men, it's time to rise up. Write this down. It's time to rise up and demonstrate my love for God. Not my pastor's love for God, not my church's love for God, not mama's love for God, not grandma's love for God. No, no, no. You, as a father, it is time to demonstrate your love for God. My love. Why? Before I give you the why, let me just say this. When it comes to demonstrating your love, guys, you just can't say it. You got to live it. Talk is cheap. It's time to walk it out. What does it look like? It looks like men of God saying, you know what? I don't care if it looks silly or sounds crazy. Well, I'm going to worship our God because God is the center of our home. I'm going to lift a shout of praise. I'm going to throw my hands together and clap. I'm going to raise my voice and I'm going to worship my God. Why? Because he deserves the highest praise. He is God Almighty who created the heavens and the earth and he gave me his best. And I'm going to give God my best. You don't look like a fool when you're at Boise State Stadium rooting on the Broncos, do you? You go, woo! Yeah, baby! Touchdown! 
Do you look like a fool then? No, no, they call you a fanatic. You're like, you're a fan, right? Like, woo, good job. You come to church. Woo, praise God. Woo, I love you, Lord. You're so good. Man, that guy's crazy. What is he doing? I'm going to find me another church. They call you crazy and a fanatic in church. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. I will not hold back and I will not be silent for my God. I will not cheer louder for a football team or whatever sports team than I'll cheer for my God. My God will get my best. And I'm saying, guys, it is time to demonstrate your worship. It is time to let your kids hear your prayers. It's time to stop going, amen. No, 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 no. God, I don't even know what to say. I have no idea how to lead my family. I love my kids. I love my spouse. But God, help me. I love you and I need you in this house because there is no way that I can do this without you. That is honesty, transparency, vulnerability. It does not make you weak. It makes you strong. And your kids will love you and respect you for that. Well, I didn't grow up in that home. It doesn't matter. You're in the family of God now. And this is how God operates. He loves it when you worship him. He loves it when you praise him. He loves it when you pray with your family out loud. Your kids need to see and experience the passion and the love you have for God. Why? Here it is, Proverbs 14, 26. Because the fear of God, this deep love and passion for God, it builds up confidence and it makes the world safe. For who? For your family. Worshiping, praying, demonstrating your love for God creates safety, security, and peace. Where? In your home. Your family will love God to the degree that you love God. Your family will love God to the degree that you love God. And that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, imitate me. Imitate me just as I do what? As I imitate Christ. So what does it look like? It says, hey, family, you want to know what a relationship with God looks like? Follow me. You want to know what love looks like? Watch how I love your mama. Watch how I open doors for your mama. Watch how I lay down my life in in my selfishness. Watch how I lay that down aside to honor your mom and to serve our family. You want to know what a relationship with God looks like? Look at the peace that I have despite the storm in my life. I know it seems crazy, but God's giving me a peace. It's going to be okay. Because we serve God who's provided our every need. Hey kids, you wanna know what a relationship with God looks like? Follow me, not because I'm perfect, I'm gonna make mistakes, but even when I do, watch how I ask God for forgiveness and watch how I even come to you as my son or daughter and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for failing you. You wanna build your house on solid ground, on a strong foundation that will never fail, it's time that we rise up and demonstrate our love for God and say, just like Joshua in Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I will make the decision and make the choice. I will serve my God. How? Close with this last one and then we'll pray. It's time to make Jesus the Lord of my life in my home. This is how we build our life, our family on a foundation that when the storms rise, we won't fall. Why? Because our life has been built on a solid rock 
His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And it's in and through him that we will only have the ability to live this life on solid ground. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. We'll be here just another few moments. God, I pray for every family here today. Pray for every dad, every mom, every grandma, every grandpa, those who are joining us online. And Lord, I know that there are some tough situations that are happening. And some people may in this room feel like they've missed the mark. Uh, Maybe their kids are older and they're thinking, wow, I wish I would have known this and it's too late. God, I want you to remind them that by your grace today that it is not too late, that they can still play a vital role in demonstrating their love for you in just being real and honest with their kids wherever they are, no matter the strained relationship. I pray for grace. I pray for healing that can only come through the power of Christ today in their life. God, I know today there's some people who are watching us online or joining us within this room today who are like, you know, I would love to live this out, but I can't because I don't, my relationship with God seems distant. It's not close. It's like, every time I pray, it's like my prayers hit the ceiling. And so if you're here today and maybe that's you, maybe you feel like you once had a relationship with God, but you walked away. If that's you, I want to I wanna lead you in a simple prayer, bringing you back into a relationship with God. Maybe you're here today or joining us online and you've never come into a relationship with God. You're like, oh my God, I love all these things, these practical, these principles, they're amazing and I'd love to do it, but I can't because I feel like God is distant. Well, I'm telling you, God is not distant. He is here and he is close to you. So whoever you are, wherever you are, I'm not gonna call you down front. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna embarrass you in any way, but if you're in this room today or you're joining us online and you would like Just say, you know what, Pastor Red, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life and the Lord of my home. Today is the day. Now is the time. Be bold. Raise your hand all across this room. Come on, let us know you're making a decision today. God bless you, young lady. God bless you. It's the greatest decision of your life. You can put your hands down. Would you say this prayer and just mean it with all your heart? Just say, God, everybody pray. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for wanting to be in a relationship with me. Thank you for Jesus. I believe Jesus is the son of God. I believe he died. I believe he rose again to pay for my sin. Today, I give you my life and I ask you to forgive me, to change me, to come live on the inside of me and transform me by the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me to make a difference. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, can we put our hands together today and celebrate with those who made a decision? Come on. Let them know how much you love them.